Well, thanks for being here again this weekend. And uh, if you're a guest this weekend, again, thanks for coming and showing up. And um, we had kind of a special acoustic set this weekend. That's not typical for us. We like to mix it up every once in a while. So that's kind of special and something that you can experience with us, which is fun. And uh, we're starting a brand new series this weekend called The Problem with Being Human. And uh, we're really going to dive into a set of conversations all about kind of uh, relationships and how they break down. Uh, the reality is, is that uh, all of us are people that want to be loved. We want to love other people. We want to be loved by people. Uh, but then, of course, if, if you're a human being, which I hope you are, right? If not, we have another conversation to have. Right? If you're a human being, you're going to run into a situation where you're going to hurt other people and people are going to hurt you. So we want to be loved. Uh, we want to love others, and the reality is we're going to bump into each other and hurt each other, and uh, that, in essence, is the problem with humans, right? It's the problem with being human, and it's the problem with the humans that we live with, and so what do we do about that? How do we navigate that? Because we're always going to be kind of in the middle of that tension. Uh, if I drift away and say, you know what, forget it, I'm not going to engage people. I'm not going to engage relationships. I'm not going to try anymore. I'm just going to try to not care so much about people and, and connecting with others. Then we're going to have a life that is uh, shallow and joyless and loveless. Nobody really wants that, right? But, but I'm also, if I allow myself to always be in the thick of loving people, I'm going to get hurt. And then how do I manage that? Uh, what do I do when that person hurts me over and over and over again? Uh, should I, like my culture says to me, should I cut people out of my life? Is that what I should do? Uh, should I look for the toxic people and just kind of delete them from, from my existence? Is that good advice? Uh, should I say some people are just dead to me? On the flip side, should I just let people walk all over me? Should I be a doormat? Should I continue to live in situations that are truly toxic and create, can create pain in my life over and over and over again. And how do we navigate all of that? How do we navigate the problem with being human? Right? That's the question we want to dive into and really start to unpack it over the next handful of weeks to try to get our hearts and our minds around it and see if we can have it show up in actual relationships, in our friendships, in our relationships with coworkers and bosses, uh, our marriages, right? Our dating relationships, kind of name it. It's everywhere. Anywhere there could be a human, uh, I'm going to end up having this problem, right? So that's what we want to lock into and really start to get our hearts and minds around over the next handful of weeks. And uh, what we want to do this week is really lay kind of a, a foundation that we can build off of for the next few weeks here. And we want to put in some building blocks, which I think are really, really important for us to understand kind of how humanity is designed, how we work and function, and some things that are going to be true of us across the board as humans. And if you start relationships and begin to try to have friendships or relationships with coworkers or romantic relationships without these fundamental building blocks in place, then we're going to have incredibly misaligned expectations. We're set up absolutely for failure. And so we, we can look to God's word and begin to understand some basic things that are just true about humanity. And when we understand that stuff, it at least puts us into a ballpark where we can maybe win more and more in relationships. 
And at least we can know that we're doing our absolute best to find relationships and to lead them and, and to love people the best that we know how. Right? So that's what we're going to do today is kind of dive into that conversation, laying this foundation underneath us that we can work off of uh, for the next handful of weeks here. So what we want to do is go back to the very beginning, uh, kind of go back to the very beginning of where humans came from, uh, these unique creatures that are on the planet, you and I, right? Where did humanity come from, and what was God doing when he made us, and how were we made? And, and I would just tell you this, this truth that we're going to look at here in a second, in my opinion, in my experience, is one of the most important truths that I've experienced personally in my life that's caused me to see humanity differently. And if you, if you take it seriously, if you hear it the right way, they think the way that God intended it, it will absolutely transform your interactions with humanity uh, because it changes the way that I see and it changes the way I understand it. So let me walk you through it. Uh, one of the things we have to do when we go and, and begin to understand where humans came from, we need to understand what God was doing from the very beginning. See, God is a God who is creative. He makes stuff. He literally speaks it into existence. And as God was doing that in the very beginning, and just have an open mind with me. I know if you're scientific, you're like, what about the evolution thing? Just put that on pause for a minute and just kind of let's go back and look and hear what the Bible actually says about God. God is a creator. He's speaking the world into existence. He's speaking light into existence and land and creatures and right, animals and all this stuff is being made. And then at the pinnacle, at the top, kind of the height of creation, the last piece that God is going to create as he creates all that is, is he's going to create humanity. You and I, human beings. And it's fascinating to see this. And I want to show you just one verse. I wish we had the time to uh, really unpack it all, but we're going to just Kind of take a high-level view of it for today. Here's what um, Moses, we believe it's Moses writing Genesis, says about the creation account. It says this, Let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and all the, all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. God has made all this stuff, the fish and the birds and these creatures crawling on the ground, insects and right, reptiles, all kinds of animals and beings. And then he puts man, man and woman, the next verse would say, that he, he created these creatures uniquely, differently. They are made in the image of God. They are in some unique way that animals are not, like God. Guys, that is an absolutely fundamental, foundational truth that changes everything about humanity. There, in some way, human beings are unique in creation. Their life is going to be unique. It has a value and a dignity to it that is different than the value even in the dignity that, that shows up with other life. We are made, first and foremost, in the image of God. This is huge. And this is one of the first building blocks we want to get our hearts and minds around. 
And what this means is that every single person that we would look at, everybody that I know, my coworker, that boss that bugs me, that my neighbor that drives me insane, my ex, that weird person in high school that said something mean to me that I still remember, all of those people, people with disabilities, people who are super important, people who seem less important, people that have a lot of stuff, people that have a little bit of stuff, people that are different colors than I am, people that are the same color than I am, people that, you name it, people that live in excess and people that live in poverty, all of them, all of them are created in the image of God. Regardless of my bias, of how I see and how I tend to think that people are important. If you tend to think, or maybe I tend to think, that people who have this kind of job or this kind of intelligence or this kind of net worth or this ability to dunk a basketball or, or, or this ability to look a certain way or appear a certain way on a map, all of the people, we're all ready, we're all flatlined. We are all the same. We're all made in the image of God. And at the end of the day, that dignity is no more to those people who seem more in our world, and it's no less to the people that seem less in our world. These creatures are made in the image of God. These humans are called and created and designed by God, and they're actually given a job, man. Even even before sin enters the world, which we're going to look at in a minute, these creatures, these humans are given a job to rule, to rule over the fish and over the birds and over everything else that has been made. And when you and I hear that today, when we hear rule, we tend to think in in leadership terms that are negative because we've experienced it so much in our lives and in our experience. Often we hear rule, we we think take advantage of or dominate or domineer, but leadership and rulership was given not for that purpose. It was given for the purpose of stewarding, for caring for things that have been made. Oh, it's a service. That's what leadership was designed to be. You and I were created to bear responsibility, to rule, to oversee the creatures of the planet, and that, has been, that is true of man, and that is true of woman. Dignity rulership, honor, all all made in the image of God. Fascinating truth. Fascinating truth. And for me, in my experience, it has continued to reframe how I see human beings, how I see material things, how I see accomplishments. Because man, at the end of the day, the most valuable being in any room, if there's a human in it, is the human. The most valuable possession, the the most valuable thing, no matter what, if there's a human being in the room, that human is the most valuable thing. I don't care if you you got a stack of gold bars, that human being is worth more than that, that material, that metal. If you got a pile of money, the human being is worth more than that pile of money. Why? It's the only thing made in the image of God. God didn't make gold in the image of God made human beings that way. So we want to, we want to see that, that dignity, that foundational building block, and that's absolutely critical to everything that we're going to move forward in relationships. Now, when God made us, human beings, male and female, 
He created us for a purpose, and he created us, we're going to say at a high level, for love. For love. He created us to know us, to love us, and that we might know and love one another. Let me show you a verse kind of looking back at this. I love how John just sums this up in 1 John chapter 4. He says, we love because he first loved us. John now, when he writes this in 1 John, he's an old guy. And he just boils it down for us. He's an elder. He's literally probably almost 90. And he's, he's summing it up and saying, man, at the end of the day, we love because he first loved us. God, in his being, earlier in this chapter, John would tell us that God is love. And that because he's love, he makes creatures in his likeness who were also designed to love. And so we, people made in the image of God, are made to love. We're made to love God. We're made to receive the love of God. And we're made to love each other. Hey, erase all the other stuff just for a minute for the sake of this conversation that we think we're on the planet for. And just kind of hear the design that God has for humanity. Made with dignity. And whether you feel it or not or see it or not, made for love, made to, like God, give of ourselves in a way that is selfless. The original creation that Adam and Eve were living in for, we don't even know exactly how long it was, was filled with harmony and peace and unity and love. It's beautiful, man. The garden. Can you imagine being there for a minute? No sin, no anxiety, no depression, no need to forgive one another, no wondering what the other one thinks about you. No, that they didn't look at me when they walked in the room. Maybe they're mad at me. None of that. No, they didn't like my post. No, they didn't text me back. I saw the bubbles, but they never said anything. None of that. Right? That didn't play out. It's just Adam and Eve. All that stuff's erased. In fact, the Bible would say they were naked. Naked. Right? And they didn't even know it. They didn't recognize. They didn't recognize their vulnerability. They didn't recognize that they could hurt one another. Man, that sounds amazing to me. I wish I could live there. So do you. You know why? you were made to. You're made for love. Now, if you know how the story goes, the Adam and Eve story, which is an absolutely critical story in the Bible. These are real, actual human beings. They're not a figment. They're not a narrative that's, that's designed. Or it's not mythology. Adam was a real man. Eve was a real woman. And Adam and Eve, who lived in actual love, in actual harmony with one another, experienced an actual temptation. As they were in the garden, this, this early and new creation of God, God says, man, you can, you can do whatever you want. You can eat from all these trees. Go crazy. Like, live it up. Enjoy it. Just, just don't eat from this one. One. There's one tree here. Don't eat from it. If you do, you're surely going to die. And then here comes this serpent, because you're familiar with the story. And the serpent comes and he challenges God's word. He says, that's not true. That's not how it's going to roll. Right? In essence, he, 
questions God and puts into the heart and mind of Adam and Eve that maybe there's a better way and maybe you're missing out and maybe what God has said to you is not for your best interest. Maybe you should disobey God. And if you were to do that, maybe you're going to have something that you, that's even better than what you have here. Right? And, and they bite on that temptation, literally. They take the fruit, they eat of it, and then when that happens, when that initial sin, that initial disobedience to God enters the world, the creation as we know it is absolutely fractured. It's tainted. It will never, it will never be this same, that kind of this side of heaven. From here on out, the design now is, has stain on it. It is now different that it, than it would have been. And now we experience something we would call the fall of man, or the, maybe we'd call it the fall of humanity. The fall of humanity. And now right from the very beginning, in the fall of humanity, what was supposed to be love now is tainted. Sin has entered the world. Man has disobeyed God. And all of a sudden, now everything got super complicated. Because now, it's just not the way that it used to be. And I'm, I'm not, I won't walk through the whole story with you, but in Genesis chapter 3, as this is all unfolding, Adam and Eve, when they sin, they start to realize that they're naked. They, 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 rec- they feel ashamed. They feel vulnerable. They need to, they need to hide now. Because now they, they know good and evil, which God told them would happen if they were to disobey him. And so now what's introduced is a self-consciousness and an anxiety and a vulnerability. And now i got to hide from you. And I gotta hide from God. And there's there's what's put in between each other now is, is a break in relationship. There's now distance in relationship that otherwise wouldn't have been there, both between us and God and us and each other. Adam and Eve would hide from God and they would hide from one another. They would sow fig leaves, literally, they sewed these together and, and they made clothes for themselves because now they know that they're naked. And this is what tends to happen, right, with, with the fall of humanity, is what's introduced now is, is the path that we are going to be very familiar with in relationships, is now what's introduced is not only sin, but also shame. Shame. And here's what shame says. Shame says, I am bad. Not, not I did something bad. I am bad. I am wrong. Not I did something wrong. I, as a human being, am bad and am wrong. And they would go and they would hide from one another and from God and they would walk in shame now. And all of us have experienced shame. You have and I have. We have all, in our, in our uh, quiet moments of our heart, felt like we are not enough. We are not good enough. Maybe, maybe somebody else is up to this task, but not me. Why am I here? Those people, they, can, they could do it, but I couldn't. We felt shame, not just guilt. 
Not just guilt. Not I'm sorry for something that I've done that's wrong. That's, we're going to talk about that later. Guilt is a, is a real legitimate thing that sometimes is used by God. Shame is something different. Shame wants to make me forget this piece. It makes me believe something that is not true about me. Shame is absolutely deadly. Here's another piece. Another piece that's introduced is this one, blame. Blame just happens to rhyme with shame. That's fun. Right? Blame is where I look at something that's happened and I begin to look at you and say, it's your fault. And this is what happened with Adam and Eve. God, as a wise creator, looks at his human beings that he made, Adam and Eve, and he sees that they have fig leaves on, and he says, hey, who told you you were naked? What happened? Did you, did you do the thing that I asked you not to do? And he already knows the answer. He knows that they would have no recognition of their nakedness if they hadn't disobeyed. And right away, Adam is going to point and say, hey, uh, the woman that you made, man, she did it. She's the one who introduced me to this. He blames her. And then Eve is going to blame the serpent who tempted her. And he say, listen, it's that serpent's fault. And from here on out, blame has been part of our story as shame has been part of our story. And we can all see it. I mean, you don't even have to teach it. This stuff is just a part of our lives, isn't it? I remember I've got four kids and, and one of our kids, and, and they were super little. I can't remember how old. One of my daughters, I've got a boy and three girls, and one of my daughters, we were all sitting around the table one time. I think we were having lunch or whatever. And, I, and she walked away, and she was probably like six or eight feet away from the table, and kind of all by herself, just walking away. And just out of nowhere, just totally face plants, just like flops on the kitchen floor. Right? And, and, you know, she's upset because she's a kid. And she just does this, like, plant. And, th- and then she got up really fast, and she turned around and looked over at, at us. And we're, we're clearly very far away from her. And she looks up, and she looks, looks back at us, and she goes, who did that? Right? <laughs> right? Like, like, we tripped her or something, you know? And we're like, oh, honey, you did that. Right? <laughs> like, you just fell down, and it's okay. I mean, we're all asking that. Who did that? I'm hurt. I, I'm hurt. I did. Some, who did that? You did it. My mom did it. My dad wasn't there for me. My coach did that. That boss is a. He's what? They did it. And we'll blame. We'll blame outwardly, and we'll shame inwardly. And it's the fall of humanity, man, and it's playing out. And as we start to see it, it's everywhere. And here's the thing. Just like everyone is made in the image of God, everyone is affected by the fall of humanity. So there's people that we idolize and that we respect and that we think the world of. The, 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 the spiritual leaders in our lives, they're just as fallen as you, as you and I are. Those celebrities that we want to... We might think, maybe not say out loud, but we think, boy, if I could have what they have, they're just as fallen as you and I. We're the same. Why? We're creatures. We're humans. We're made in the image of God, and we experience the fall of humanity. And that is across the board, man. 
It is the great flattener of people. No matter what the bank account or the IQ or the ACT or the SAT or what school you went to, what family you were born in, what heritage or what time frame or what race, what color, what height, what the scale says, you are made in the image of God and you are a fallen creature. So is everybody else. And I, I need to know that because I could accidentally start to believe that people are somehow different than me. That somehow people might have more value than I do or Lord forbid I get prideful and think that I have more value than they do. Or I might start to think that some people might not be as susceptible to the fall of humanity as I am. If you think that other people don't struggle with temptation like you do, you're crazy. We all do. I do. If you're honest and sane, you recognize that your sinfulness is all over the place. If you, if you could see the thoughts in my head and project them onto the screen, I don't think anybody would come back to church. Because you, you would see the reality of the fallenness of humanity in me. And I'm positive that's true of you too. Why? Because this is how God, this is how the story of God is played out. And where this often has landed us, just follow the picture with me. As we sin, as we walk in shame, as we walk in blame, where we often land is here in a place of unforgiveness. In a place of unforgiveness. Both both unforgiveness in ourselves. I've done things that I can't imagine anyone could forgive me for. Even Jesus. And unforgiveness of other people. What they did was too far. It was too much. They're dead to me. And hence the breakdown of relationships. And left to ourselves, this is the story of humanity as we've interacted with one another. And then you start thinking about it, you can see it all over the place. The number of families that you and I know that still talk to each other, still love each other, uh, didn't break up over the inheritance, didn't, didn't blow themselves up over the divorce, could find their way through all of this is so few. More and more, what I see today is young adults come uh, to Lori and I, and they just say, hey, uh, you're still married. Can we talk? Like, it seems like you, you guys seem like you like each other. I'm not sure how you're, that's happening. Can, can you explain it? And we're like, man, only by the grace of God. But it's so few and far between because this is the natural way of all of us. And so here's the question for this series. Here's the question for our conversation today is, is what if there's a different way? What, what if we don't have to go here all the time? What if it could look different? What, could it, what if it could be different? And here's where God interjects in the story. And I'm going to 
point us to a word that has massive ramifications for us. If I take the arrow a different direction and I land here, and the word is gospel. If instead of running to shame and running to blame and landing in a place where I'm not forgivable and I cannot forgive you, if we run to a place where we land at the gospel, what if everything could be different? Say, right, what do you mean by that, man? It feels like a church word. Like, what's, what are you talking about? Let me unpack it. Here's what John says, 1 John 4. He says, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So let me, let me just talk it through for a minute. God, of course, saw and, and watched this entire progression play out. And in the gospel, he interrupts it. Here's what happens. God makes a decision, says, I, I'm going to send my son. Will you come to the planet? Will you put skin on? And will you, will you come and do what the humans could never do? Become a human yourself, Jesus. And as you come to the planet, I'm going to ask you to accomplish a mission that the humans could never accomplish. I, I need you to live perfectly in love and in obedience to me. Lo love me perfectly and love humanity perfectly. Never break the laws of God. You and I can never do that because we're here. Jesus comes and he does that. Like nails it. Check. Perfect. He lives perfectly. He then dies innocently. He allows himself to be given over and crucified and killed, even though he's not deserving of death. He's literally the only one who never deserved to die because he's sinless. He's perfect. He always did this. He dies, he's buried, he rises victoriously. And in so doing, he now has the ability to do something that no other human has ever been able to do, and that is to transfer the perfection of God, the righteousness of God, to broken and fallen humans. He in essence says this, if you believe in me, if you believe in me, if you follow me, if you put your faith in me and recognize that I'm the only way to become right with God, to deal with this problem, to avoid hell, and to find your way to heaven, if you put your faith here, I will transfer to you, to your account, the righteousness that only I could earn. And when that happens, the Bible says that we're made new. That we're made new creatures. That God comes and he lives inside of us and he creates, he creates in us, ready? Love. The fruit of God in us is love and joy and peace and patience, gentleness, self-control, faithfulness, right? All this amazing stuff. As someone says yes, as a human looks and says, I, I say yes to the gospel, the message that I just told you just now, what happens is we then begin to have the ability 
to re and to live out the image of God in more of the way that we're designed to live it out. We're one step closer to that original design that God created us for. And we're one step closer to being, to, being able to live out this, this big purpose why God put us on the planet to love one another. So I say yes to the gospel, and it begins to change me from the inside out, and I begin to learn how to love the way that I've been loved, because God has done that for me. And then you say, Ryan, does it stop there? Like, are, are we just like able to figure it all out? Now I live perfectly if I say yes to Jesus. I'll never have problems in my relationships. We're never going to hurt one another. Now, I wish that was the case. That'd be sweet. That certainly has not been my experience. Here's what we're going to have happen is, is we're going to run back into this. We're going to run right back into the fall of humanity. It's a bummer. It's real, but it's a bummer. I'm going to run into the fall of humanity in me, even though I've been made new, and I'm still a person who struggles with pride and envy and ego. And uh, I, when I don't sleep enough, I get grumpy. And when, when I don't eat enough, I get hungry, and then I get grumpy. And so do you. We're going to hurt each other. We're going to sin against each other. It's not going to be perfect all the time. We're human. That's the problem with being human, right? Here's something I want you to catch. When I bump into the fall of humanity as somebody who has said yes to Jesus, here's what I want you to catch. If you're here today and you would say, man, I, I, I wave the Christian flag. I'm in. I check, it, I check it on the box, you know, in the census form. Christian. I'm not a Muslim or atheist. I'm in. If you would go beyond that and not just say it in title or name, but you would say, I am truly a transformed person. I am a follower of Jesus. I don't think I'm getting to heaven by my good works. I don't think I'm a good person. I think I'm a rescued person. If that's you, and you're trying to live in love and live in relationship with people, and you bump into sin, you have the same temptation today as a follower of Jesus that you did when you weren't one. You have the same draw back to shame, back to blame, and back to unforgiveness. It's still there. That, that road doesn't get erased. It's still a choice that we have to wrestle through and make. Now, hear me. This is awesome. The road that we are called to take as followers of Jesus, and by the way, this is going to bring you hope if you're not a follower of Christ because there's a better way, is I come back to this message of the gospel. And the message of the gospel, the story about Jesus, not only saves me from hell and transfers my eternity, my destiny to heaven, it also gives me the ability to manage and to change and to heal in relationships. You say, Ryan, how does that work? That's what we're going to unpack over the next handful of weeks. The message of the gospel is how we do relationships. And we're going to show you that here over the course of the series. It is the only way, from my experience, that I will not go back to shame and blame and unforgiveness is I have to keep coming back 
to what Jesus did for me. And I want to see that as I look at what Christ did for me, I then know how to live and to love other people that are hurting me and that are fallen just like I am. The gospel is how we deal with the problem of being human. But we all know this. How that actually plays out is a loaded conversation. That's why we need some more time on it. And here's where I would just start us today. Uh, If you're here today and and you're, you're not sure yet if you're a follower of Christ, And I'll say this before I say anything else. Probably everyone needs to make sure they're hearing this properly. Because if you grew up in church and you've just been at church a long time, uh, that doesn't mean anything about you being a follower of Jesus. That just means you sat in a room an hour, an hour and a half a week, every week or many weeks throughout most of your life has nothing to do with the allegiances of your heart. Has nothing to do with what you did with what Jesus did for you. So if you grew up in church, or your grandpa's a pastor, or you always heard it growing up, or maybe you're like me and you were an atheist and and you're just here investigating because something's wrong with your life and you know it, but you're not sure what, Then, then hear me, have you ever actually accepted the gospel? Have you ever actually looked at what Jesus did in light of the big story that he made you, that he made you for love and that he loves you, that he's not mad at you, he doesn't want to destroy you? That's just shame and blame talking. He actually loves you, and you have a big problem, and so do I. But he didn't, hear me, he didn't leave us in the problem. He could have looked at us, and he could have said, you know what? You blew it. You disobeyed. You cheated, and you lied, and you stole, and you were rude, and you were mean, and you sinned, and I'm done with you people. could have done that, but he didn't. What did he do? What did he do? He did the most radical, unexplainable thing that I could ever imagine. He chose to become one of us. To become a human. To live with us. He lowered himself and entered our world on a rescue mission that would cost him his life. Who does that, man? It does not make any sense. That's Jesus. The passion was so intense. The love was so intense for our soul and for us that he would go to those lengths, those extremes, to interrupt the flow into our demise and say, I will rescue you from it. You just need to hear the message and say, I'm in. I'm in. 
I say yes. What else could I do with my life except say yes to this? And guys, listen, if you've never said yes to that, I'm not asking you to go to church. I'm not asking you to serve. That's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about you and Jesus. And say, I want you to forgive my sin. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I'm going to put you and my allegiance to you above all things. Above making money, above getting married, above being healthy, above being happy, above getting a retirement that I want. I don't care what my net worth is. I don't care what my life looks like. If you came and died for me, I'm in. I'm in. Please. If you've never said yes to that, say it today. It all starts there. I'll tell you, your life will not be perfect, and it won't be easy. But you will be living what you're made to live, what you're designed for. And you're going to find what you're looking for. As the band comes out and they, they sing, guys, would you wrestle in your hearts with where Jesus lands in all this? Wrestle with how you have dealt and how you're going to deal with the problem of being human. Would you pray with me? Lord, as, as we look again, as I look again at your story, God, I'm just overwhelmed by it. You didn't even have to create us, Lord. You, you were fine by yourself. You don't need us. And Lord, when we failed you and we continued to fail you and we continue to fail each other, somehow you continue to throw and pour your mercy out on us. I don't understand it. But God, I say thank you for it today. Thank you for loving me and perfect human. It's in need of your grace, Lord. God, I pray for all of us here that they're hearing the gospel for the first time or the, the hundredth time, Lord. Help us to feel the reality of what it is you've done. The reality of the message you've spoken. Help us to cling to it today. In your name we pray, Jesus.